Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we are in our seventh week in our sermon series on Paul's letter to the Colossians. And the last six weeks, we've covered the first two chapters. And in it, what Paul was doing was he was addressing the situation at Colossae. And the situation at Colossae was there was a committed group of believers in that city. And they were faithful, but... What was also going on, there was some false teaching and heresy floating around. And so Paul writes into this situation, having not been there himself, but Epaphras, the pastor of that church, was with him and filling him in. So Paul's writing into this situation, and we come to this point in chapter 3, and he says, So. So. What does that usually mean? So usually means something like, therefore. Since I have laid this foundation for you, since I've built this case, since I've told you what's going on, so now. It means something. It means something for your life. After I've talked about the heresy and recognized what's going on, after I told you again about Jesus Christ and His life and His death and His resurrection, and that you as Christians have called yourself those who follow Christ and therefore have died to sin and died to self. I asked the question a few weeks ago, is what you're living for worth Jesus dying for? And that's in effect what he's asked the Colossians. Saying, do you you understand the depth of God's love? Do you understand why Jesus laid down his life and what that means for you? And how, therefore, it means a change of your life that involves the whole of your being. That it's your heart, your mind, your feelings, your attitudes, your spirit, and your body. That as we begin to embrace Jesus Christ and His life and the Gospel, and the Holy Spirit begins to fill us and take over our lives, that we begin to follow Christ and walk in His footsteps. And so he has this wonderful phrase. Set your minds on Christ and the things that are above. Set your minds Fix your thoughts. Fix your heart. Fix everything about you so that your will is committed to being filled with the Holy Spirit, submitted to His will, and following Him, which you can't do of your own strength. Set your minds. You know, it's interesting. When you think about setting your mind on something, think about some of the phrases that we use with that. Get your mind around it. That would be a more modern phrase. Do you ever use that phrase? Get your mind around this. 
or buy into this. Last week we talked about investments, investing yourself, investing your resources. That we have buy-in. That there's risk involved. There's a commitment involved. And so we're called to get our minds around Jesus Christ in this life and faith that he's talking about. And he uses the analogy of dressing and undressing to address this, which we'll get to in a moment. But you know, sometimes it's hard for us to get our minds around something. Aaron, our son Aaron, graduated from college in May. And as the Lord would have it in directing his way, he ended up working for CareCorps out in Bluffton. I don't know if you know what CareCorps is. It's a healthcare network. And he's a program analyst for them. And he comes home one day and he's really excited. He's developed a couple of dashboards and he's going to present one of these dashboards to the COO because they really like it. I said, what's a dashboard? How many know what a dashboard is? Okay, there are a few of you. It's not foreign language to you. So I said, you know, dashboard, help me understand. So basically, your computer screen turns into this thing where you can kind of figure out where you're going from it, and you, and you hit these certain tabs, and it guides you through this system. As a program analyst, that's part of what he's supposed to develop. It's like the dashboard on your car. It gives you information so as to help you drive. Then he starts talking about, and we learned these new programs, Tableau and SQL. How many? Two, three. I mean, you know, we're, we're winding down here. We're getting less and less. And, and it's going like this. It means nothing to me. I can't get my mind around it. Now, if the Lord so chose, he could use a miracle and give me that insight. You know, the reality is that's what he's done with the gospel. He sent his son, Jesus, the incarnation, who then lived the perfect life and then went to the cross for you and rose again from the dead, and that's the miracle. And it's easy to get your mind around if you just understand it's the giving of your whole life to him. All that you are to Him. That's really what this chapter is about. This first 17 verses. That when we set our minds, get totally focused on the things of Christ, our focus is on the things above where Christ is. That we begin to understand and embrace His life. Because so much of our lives is focused on what's around us. The worldly mindset. And he even talks about, get your mind out of the worldly mindset. Understand what I've done for you. Understand what it means for you. Understand what this transformation is about. That our eyes become fixed on Him. You know, Jesus uses these three analogies as He's presenting the Gospel. One of the analogies that He uses is putting your hand to the plow. For someone who looks back, what's the plow going to do? It's going to go this way. And it's not going to be helpful for planting your field or doing what you need to do in order to grow, in order to provide for your life, the sustenance for your life. And that's why we keep our eyes fixed on Him every day. 
He uses this term, seeking the things of God. It's a present perfect tense, which means that once you give your life to Christ, it is meant to have future ramifications. That once you give your life to Christ, it is an everyday giving of yourself. Every day. Because every day we need His Spirit. Every day we need His Word in order to live this life. And so it's a seeking now, and it's an ongoing seeking constantly. Because it's so easy for us to forget. It's so easy to get our minds disengaged from Him, and our hearts disengaged from Him, and live the way we want, or the way the world calls us to live. So then, Paul goes on to use this analogy with dressing. He says, therefore, take off. Take off. You know, it's really neat. If you really, really think about it, this whole dressing and undressing thing that we do every day, every morning, we have to take off our PJs, or whatever you wear, and then you put on clothes for the day. So every morning, if you think about it, we need to confess our need. And we need to put on the life of Christ from the inside out for that day. And every night when we undress, we need to confess our struggles and our failures. And then put on the mind of Christ as we go to sleep in peace. What a wonderful image. Isn't it great how God designed that? That if we really think about it, that analogy, we can take with us every morning when we spend time with the Lord and every night before we go to bed. This whole notion of taking off and putting on. And then there's also the notion of dressing appropriately for whatever it is we're doing. You know, when you go to a wedding and you wear a gown or a tux, or when you go to the beach and you put on a swimsuit, what a contrast! Well, you're dressing for two different things. It's the same idea with Christ. When we put on Christ, we have Him from the inside out. And we become, we take on His life for the world. And so we have to recognize what we are to take off. Paul writes to the Galatians, just to put it another way, an earlier letter. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we see that we are to die to sin and self. And it's no longer I who live, it's Christ in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So that's that putting on as we go out into the world and live this life. A wonderful analogy that I pointed out a few weeks ago is this reading from Zechariah the prophet. And he's talking about Joshua the high priest. And the high priest is the one who has access to God. And he has this vision. Now Joshua was dressed with filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. And the angel, to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes and to him he said, See, I have taken your guilt away from you, and I will clothe you with festal apparel. That's what the Lord wants to do with us. Just take off those filthy clothes. And if you heard the list 
that was read in Colossians chapter 3, he lists aspects of that taking off of what the world is about. And it has to do with feelings, and it has to do with attitudes, and it has to do with actions. It covers the whole gamut of life. It has to do with the lusts of life, sexual lusts, as well as greed, which represents pleasure and power. He talks about anger and its relatives. You know what anger's relatives are? You've got resentment, and you've got bitterness, and you've got rage, and you've got frustration. That feelings sometimes mislead us and misguide us. And so we have to take off those attitudes that infect us. The actions that take us down the path that is an ungodly, unholy path. And we have plenty of opportunity in this world. You know, so often, we're, we're encouraged to follow our feelings. To be who you are. You ever hear that? Be who you are. We, we just want to be who we are. You know, who I are sometimes, you don't want me to be. That's the reality. Who I am in my heart, sometimes I have to turn over to the, the will of the Lord. What I would like to say sometimes or what I would like to do, I have to submit it to the Lord. And if I operated by my own strength, you'd be in trouble. See, it's God's Spirit that enables me. It's God's Word that directs me. So I have to put off those dirty clothes, if you will, and put on the mind of Christ. And that's what he's encouraging us to do here. The reality is what happens if we don't and we live the life that the world invites us to live. We become self-consumed. We become abusers of people, verbally. Users of people. See, that's the end result. If we don't put off this life, we become focused on ourselves and thereby destructive towards our relationships out there and even destructive towards ourselves. And we certainly don't bring God glory. So we have to put off, if you will, these filthy clothes that Jesus has dealt with by giving to us His righteousness. Instead of looking to the side of what other people are doing, we look up to Him. Set your minds on the things above. And then Paul goes on to give these illustrations or examples of what the world's mindset is. And he uses three different names. He talks about the Greeks. The Greeks are the commoners. Everybody, really, that is civilized and living in the world that they're living in. Because everybody spoke Greek. It was the language of commerce. It was the language of communication, even in the Roman Empire. But these were the commoners and the civilized people, the everyday people. And then he goes on to say, and the barbarians. You know who the barbarians are? The barbarians are people that you just can't understand how they talk. 
I mean, we have those who speak English that it's hard to understand who, what they're saying. But think about languages. You know, some languages we can get a grip on because we hear it oftenly, often enough and we, and we uh, recognize some words like Spanish, for example. But then you hear these foreign languages that you have no idea what's going on. You can't even imagine imitating the sounds. And they sound ignorant. See, that's the barbarians. Words like mutter and babble are connected words to barbarians. Barbar. Because that's what it sounds like to the Greeks. And then you've got the Scythians. That's a whole other breed. The Scythians are the violent, the really ignorant, crude, rough ones. And every culture has their Scythians. You know, it's interesting to talk to Daniel last weekend. And we talked about when he was over in Afghanistan, who he engaged while he was over there. And he said, you know, in the United States you hear a lot about the Al-Qaeda and the Taliban. He said, but there's a group of people you don't hear much about, and they're the Kakani. He said, the Kakani are far worse. He said, they are fierce warriors and dangerous people. That would be the Scythians. So what Paul is saying here is it doesn't matter what your former life was. It doesn't matter what your mindset is in the world. It doesn't matter what you've relied on in the past to provide the answers to life. Because in every case, there needs to be a putting off. It doesn't matter. In order to put on Christ. To be dressed as Christ. So then he says... Put on. Put on. Who is Jesus Christ? And the symbolism behind that is the baptismal gown. You know, this filthy clothes, the festal apparel that that Joshua the priest put on. We, in baptism, put on the white gown, the white robe, that we're covered with the righteousness of Christ. And that covering is meant to be an inside-out covering. It's not just meant to be superficial. It's not just the church clothes that we put on and the church face we put on and the church life we put on when we want to impress people who are holy. This is not about following the Jewish rituals that Paul addressed in the heresies. Just doing the right things ritualistically. It's not following just the right philosophies, the right mindset of the Greco-Roman world, the worldly way. It is embracing Christ completely. Put on. He says put on three times to emphasize it. If you say it once, it has meaning. You say it twice, it has significant meaning. You say it three times... It's of ultimate significance. He says, put on three times. And then he refers to them. I love this. You are chosen, holy and beloved. You are chosen, holy and beloved. Think about those words. 
I told a story several years ago, and many of you weren't here then. Early in my golfing experience, which was about eight or nine years ago, I was playing golf with a couple of guys that I now play golf with. And we were out on the Fazio course, and I hit two shots that were absolutely terrible. Terrible, terrible shots. One of them was going in the water, skipped off the water over a bulkhead, was within about a foot and a half of the pin. Another one I hit a sand shot, slammed into the side of the sand trap, jumped up onto the green, and landed to a foot of the pin. And one of the guys I was playing with looks at me and he says, it is not fair. You have God on your side. And I remember saying to the person, well, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. Someone actually got me a shirt that says that, by the way. But the reality is, that's how we're all meant to feel. You are chosen by Him. He chose you. You are meant to be holy, which means set apart. He sets you apart for His life and fills you with His Spirit so you can live His life. He calls you beloved because He loves you and sent His Son to lay down His life for you. That's what we're to put on, to understand. And if you look at the bookends of verses on this putting on, He says, compassion first, that we feel in Him. Compassion, feel with and passion at the depths of your being. Compassion is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the one who draws alongside you. And then he says, bind all together these things with love. Agape, self-sacrificial love, the love of Christ. That's the bookends that puts all this together. In the midst of that, he says, bear with one another. The Greek is charismai. The root word is charis, which is grace. Grace. Our culture has not become, in fact, it's become less of what you would call gracious culture. I'm not talking about using the right spoons and forks. I'm talking about being a gracious people that we have received the grace of God in Jesus Christ, the gift of salvation. That we understand the grace that's been poured out for us and to us in our hearts and lives, and therefore we offer grace to other people. That we bear with one another graciously. And you can't do that unless you're a forgiving person as well. That we learn what it means to forgive, to let go, to cover with love that binds it all together. See, that's putting on Christ. That there is this holiness to our lives. Not false piety. Holiness. Living the life of Christ. Which also means love that binds it all together. In a package. 
It's the clothes that He's given us. That we're to put on every day. You know, today, as Nathan mentioned at the beginning, is All Saints Sunday. You know, saints aren't just the dead people in Scripture. A saint is a believer. A saint is someone who believes in Jesus, has accepted Him as Savior and Lord, and then is filled with the Spirit and lives the life of Christ. That's a saint. And we are to be everyday saints. Now you can say, you know how sometimes you say phrases that have different meanings depending upon where you put the emphasis, right? Well, let me put it this way. Everyday saints. That sainthood is common to who we are. That we really recognize we are chosen and holy and beloved. That every day we are saints. Living for Him. Walking with Him. Being His in all things and in all ways. Everyday saints. That's what it means to put on Christ. That's what it means to live this life seasoned or flavored with salt. That when we go about in the world around us, as we bring the presence of Christ because He's in us, because we put Him on for that day, that we bring preservation to relationships and to life. That we bring flavor, we bring spice into people's lives because that's the joy. That we affect the culture around us because we put on Christ every day, His everyday saints. As this passage draws to a close, he says sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's what we try to do here, by the way. Songs and hymns and spiritual songs. We worship. That we are people who are wise in our decisions, with all wisdom, as Paul writes. That we take the Word of God and we practically apply it to our lives. We are people of the Word because we know the Word. It's God speaking to us and we want to hear from Him every day. And we live lives of thanksgiving. There it is again that we're worshiping Him and we're thanking Him and we're thanking Him for His grace and we become grateful people and people of grace. This is a wonderful section of Scripture for what the life of Christ looks like. To take off the sin. To take off the former life. To take off the ways of the world. And to put on Christ. And if you hear nothing else from what I've said today, please take this with you. Three W's that wrap this all together. Number one, the Word. The Word who is Jesus Christ. The Word that is the Word of God that we take with us because we believe and trust in Him. Secondly, Wisdom. 
that we incorporate this word into our lives and we live it. Not because we are able, but because He is able. And thirdly, worship. That's the natural response of our lives. That we long to be in worship together and every morning we begin with worship. That we lift Him up in our lives and we put on Christ. Be an everyday saint. Please bow with me in prayer. You know, when you woke up this morning, you put on your church clothes, whatever they might be. What I want you to do when you leave this place is to wear your church clothes. Not just the outward appearance, but the inward reality of Jesus Christ in your heart and life. David writes in Psalm 51, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Lord God, there are so many distractions in our world. So many philosophies, false teaching, even heresy floating around us. There's the call to do what we feel. To be who we are. And often that means apart from you. Lord, I pray this day that each person here would desire to take off the clothes of this world. Lord, some here have never truly given themselves to you. And I pray this day would be the day that they would undress their hardened heart undress their sinful life. Undress the pain or the anger or the bitterness of the past. And put on the life of Christ. Lord, some here maybe have soiled clothes because of being drawn into the world to be of the world. Lord, I pray that you would wash us thoroughly and cleanse us And Lord, for all of us here, help us to put on the clothes of righteousness. To recognize that we are called to you, chosen by you, holy for you, and beloved by you. To live the life of Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. And we ask this in his precious name, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.